Episode 223 of the Bevan James Isles Show, the key to setting up a passionate life. Radio team, welcome along to episode 223 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, I have to apologise about my voice first of all. One of the downfalls of being a fitness professional is that sometimes you yell too much and it hurts your voice and at the moment I'm sounding a bit scratchy. Um, not ideal. But it's just kind of it's what it is. People often think I'm sick, and I'm not sick. I just I just yell too much. But I've obviously been yelling a lot lately. Uh, today's show. What am I doing in today's show? I've I have a subject that I find really quite fascinating uh, around creating a passionate life. And there's many things you need to think about when we think about creating a passionate life. But one is is that once you've actually given yourself the time to do the work around the passion, is making sure you do the work. And I've had a couple of clients recently who were really hard around creating a life where they can do their kind of mission work, their kind of purpose work. Uh, and both of them have got a little bit lost. And it's just been this really interesting insight in this. So I want to go deep into the subject. So if you are somebody who's in that place in your life where you know deep down you want to move towards something that you're more passionate about, uh, I think you get a lot from this. And even if you're not in that place, I still think there's a lot in this in this show. So um, I think one thing I probably will quickly address today before we get into the main gist of today's show is how to stay motivated when the goalpost keeps getting kicked up the road. So we think of 2021, and, and I'm, I, I deal with a lot of athletes or people training for running events. And this year has been a very challenging, in New Zealand at least, and I'm sure in many parts of the world, at least the last 18 months through the COVID time, there's been a lot of goalposts post being kicked up the road. So it's the, you know, it's that thing of when you're training for a half marathon, you're doing all the training, and then suddenly the race gets postponed or gets cancelled. I had one lady, this lady called Nick, she's you know, I've trained. For, I've actually coached her for running for quite a long time, and she's achieved some pretty amazing goals. And this year, she wanted to do her first ever hundred k race, and she trained like a beast. Man, she was an absolute rock star. And the weekend she'd finished her long weekend, and when you're doing a hundred k race, you know her last weekend of training. I think I think I had her doing a sixty k run one day, and then a two hour run the next day. You know, at the end of a, at the end of a week where she'd already done a lot of running, so she was doing massive volume. The weekend after she finished her longest run, she gets an email saying the race has been postponed. And this is a real kick in the guts. And, and for a lot of people, this is something we've experienced in this COVID time is that you've set these kind of challenges for yourself and the, the ball gets kicked up the road. And so I just wanted to quickly address what do you do in this situation? So first of all, and, and, and I think this is important because I think a lot of people are goals-based when it comes to exercise behavior. So a lot of people, you know, to me, that's kind of the routine exerciser, and routine's a really good place to be, but then there's the person who almost needs a goal to maintain a level they're happy with. It might be higher than that level. So like I think of some people I know who do, do events, if they're not doing an event they kind of don't just go back to a baseline that's good enough. They kind of go below that baseline. And so these people will always be looking for another event. So they might do a half marathon 
And then not long after that, they're going to need to set another goal of doing a marathon or a 10k race or a half marathon within another period of time. And the reason is, is because if they don't have that target, they go to a version of themselves that they ultimately don't like. And I suppose for that person, one thing to think about is to developing that baseline behavior. You know, what's my baseline of exercise, which is still good enough. And I've talked about that on this podcast in the past. You know, for me, my baseline behavior for exercise is six sessions a week or six days a week with at least an hour of exercise a day, often two, maybe even longer, but that's kind of my baseline. Now, when I'm training for an event, I'll do more than that, but then when I haven't got a fitness goal, I want to stay in that baseline. Now, unfortunately, for a lot of people who are going on a fitness journey, once they've got that goal in place, or once that goal finishes, that's when they go below that baseline. So in my example, it might be that I go to doing two days exercise a week. And that's a problem because we, we get to a place where it's really dissatisfying. So that's why you find a lot of people will need another goal after another goal after another goal. Now, there's a big discussion to have around how to, how to become good at learning what your baseline is without needing a goal. But that's not what I want to talk about right now because this year has been having that goal kicked up the road thing. So I think the first thing we need to do, let's say you're training for a race and it's been cancelled, postponed, or you just can't do it because of like a COVID situation. The first thing you need to do is appreciate what you've done to this moment in time. So I'll, I'll use Nick as my example. Um, while she didn't get to do a 100k race, she had learned a lot about herself and gained a lot of insight because she will end up doing a 100k race in the future. So while it absolutely sucks that she couldn't do that race, the first thing she needs to go is there's still value in the work that I've done to this point in time. Because when we have that really disappointing thing of the race isn't going to be on, we can just go to that kind of I wouldn't say negative perspective, but just disappointing perspective of, well, that's been a waste of time. And it totally hasn't. Even though Nick will probably lose the fitness she had to that point in time, she's gained some amazing insight about her training, about her mental capacity, about nutrition, that when she does end up doing a 100k race in the future, then she will have that knowledge that will actually help her be more successful moving forward. So while the goal has been moved, and that means that the last period of time's training, there is some waste that comes with it. It's not a total waste. And, and your job is to not focus on the disappointment. Your job is to focus on what you've gained from the experience you've had over this period of time. And, then, and probably a good thing to do at this moment is just to catch those lessons. So maybe even write down what are the lessons that I've learned so that when I do go back to this goal moving forward, I can make sure I install these lessons again. To me, the second thing we want to think about is actually having a bit of a break. And Nick's actually a good example of this because Nick, she wanted to do a 100k race and she, she really wanted to pop one out and understandably because she, you know, I think she'd even had a marathon cancelled earlier in the year so she, she wanted to get it done and she determined that she wanted to do a race. The, the, the race that she had signed up for was kicked up the road until December instead of being, I think it was in, in late October, so I was going to December and she was like, I want to continue on and I want to still, just try to still do this race. And... Unfortunately, once she kind of started getting into the big volume again, she realized she hadn't set her life up to do that again. And what I mean by that is, 
when she knew she was doing the 100k race in October, for like three months before that, she'd kind of said no to everything. She'd made sure she'd taken a day off work. She, you know, really committed her life so she could do the type of training that was so demanding on her life. Whereas when it got kicked to December, she hadn't put that preparation in place. And so once she started to get back to the big volume, she realised she just couldn't make it work. And that was just because it's a busy time of year, it's more social season, and she hadn't said no to things you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, that meant it was just really hard to get that training in. And so she ultimately had to conclude that trying to do that 100k race in December just wasn't going to work. And I think maybe if her and I spend a bit more time going, actually, let's just have a moment to have a break and then we can reassess. Now, what we want to do in that break time is have a moment to breathe. Because I think what happens is, because the goal's been kicked up the road, we just instantly are trying to find the next thing to fill that gap. And when I say have a moment to breathe, it doesn't have to be long. Like, you don't need six weeks off. But I would say aim to have a couple weeks off where you really pull back on your training and you almost have a mental and physical recharge. Because we want you to get to a place where you can make a really good rational decision around your next goal. So... When you want to look into, you know, so once that let's bit has been kicked up the road, the first thing is just to go, I'm going to have a breather, I'm going to relax, and I'm also just going to enjoy that downtime. Then once you've done that, which should be no more than a two-week period, then you want to reassess what is the right goal based on where I am right now. So, for example, if you've trained to do a marathon, but you've, like, like Nick, you've got a busy period of time coming up ahead in front of you, Doing a marathon in the next period of time is probably not wise if you've got life, Christmas, and all these things in front of you. So you've got to go, what's the right goal right now? Now, in this COVID time, hopefully we are, you know, in all parts of the world, hopefully we're moving forward from the place where races can be cancelled or events can be cancelled. But what you could do is you could set up a challenge that's not dependent on an organisation being able to put an event on on that day. So you could set up some kind of challenge, it might be that you aim to do a marathon over the weekend in the running example, or you just create some kind of fun challenge that you can still work towards, that will still give you a sense of goal achievement, but it's not so reliant on somebody else controlling or an organisation putting that on for you. So that way, at least until we get to the other period of this time, where we know that you can pretty much, if you sign up for a race, it's guaranteed it's going to happen, you could look for a challenge that's going to give you the rewards and the challenge that you desire, but it was also not under threat of not actually happening. And ways you can do this is you can include your friends, so it could be the people in your community around your movement, you could talk to your coaches and mentors, you could create some kind of crazy little challenge, like uh, like a guy, one of the things that a lot of people were doing in the lockdown was run a marathon over 24 hours, and you basically had to run like, I don't know, something like about a K and a half an hour. You know, just those kind of fun challenges that are a bit more different, or it might be going away for a weekend with friends and putting on your own little event that you and your friends are just going to do together. And what you're doing there is you're giving yourself control of the goal. And this is a really important thing to think about in this moment, because unfortunately, races can be cancelled or events can be cancelled over this next period of time. And, and I think 
If we look around the world, that's going to be happening less and less. But if you can have more control over your goal, then there's less of a chance of you having more disappointment that it's going to be kicked up the road. Now, in regards to having control of your goal, you still need to make it really exciting and stimulating. Like just to say, go and doing a marathon by yourself, for some people that's going to work, but for most people it's not. Whereas again, if you can get the people that you know are runners and say, okay, this weekend we're all going away to this beautiful place, I've put together this really crazy marathon course, and we're going to do it together. That's going to be a bit more appealing. So when you think about the challenge you're going to put in front of yourself at that time, make it sexy. You know, make it really appealing. Make it a bit crazy. You know, just make it so that there's, there is a challenge that you actually want to do, not just some box you're going to tick off that's ultimately not that stimulating. Because what you need is you need a challenge that will still keep you responsible to the training you need to do. And it's an important thing to think about. And then from there, get a plan and, and ultimately move towards that next goal. There's probably some other things you want to do around this, but I just thought I wanted to show you a couple of little things to think about. So again, just to recap, if your event or whatever you're training for gets cancelled, acknowledge the gains you've gained in the period of time up to it. Take a moment to breathe, relax, unwind, and then quickly reset a goal that you can control that was stimulating and enjoyable and maybe involves other people so you can make it a bit of an adventure but you can guarantee it will actually happen. It is a crazy time. I know, let's be honest, we're all over this whole COVID thing, and it does look like we're heading in the right direction. Who knows how long that's going to take, and fingers crossed we will move into a world where there's a lot more certainty moving forward, but this is a way that you can still keep those goals in place and not have the disappointment of just feeling that this, you know, here's another example of me not being able to achieve the goals that I want this year. So I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, I'm about to get into the maintenance of the show, but I just want to say thank you for all the feedback on the interview I did in the last episode with Nat. I got amazing feedback on that interview. Obviously, she's she's a rock star. I really wanted to promote her because I think she's doing really important work. And the feedback I got on the episode was pretty phenomenal as well. So that's really cool. Uh, if you want to support the show, one thing you can do is you can become a patron of the show. All you need to do is go to Bevan James Isles dot com and then each time I release an episode or you go through the process sign up and each time I release a show you donate a little bit of your hard earned money my way also when you become a patron you get a Bevan James I'll show nickname and these are a few of the people who are already patrons this is Adam Ironheart Philby we've got Jaron Cool Calm Collected Becker we've got Belinda Happy Hardcore Thomas Emily I've got to wear shades Cargill Ian Rise to the Top Rose, I guess you're Ian and his wife yesterday, Joe and I bought a new TV yesterday, and when we were buying a TV, Ian was buying a TV as well, so there you go, he rose to the top of the TVs. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com, go to podcast, click on support me, go through the process, and again, every time I release an episode, you donate a little bit of your hard-earned money my way, just supports me on what I'm doing. Right, let's get into the main gist of today's show. A few years ago, well, I can't actually remember how long ago it was, but I did an episode on this podcast around how to live a passionate life. And and when I was designing that episode, it was kind of designed for people who are kind of already in their life. Like if you think of somebody in their late teens, early 20s, you know, in that moment where they're kind of creating the life in front of them, that's an interesting moment to be in because you are kind of creating your life and so you can make some really good choices in that moment if you have awareness around what you love and you have the ability to kind of develop yourself 
in a way that takes you down that pathway. I'm a pretty good example of that. Around 20, I, I, I realized fitness was my passion and I was able to walk down a pathway of making a career out of fitness. And so I've been very fortunate because the rest of my life has always been based on fitness and this passion for fitness has never stopped and so I get to live this passionate life. And, you know, I now have a 25-year career of me helping people with fitness and, you know, there's kind of this legacy and I kind of get to be the person who gets to be the fitness guy, if you know what I mean. And so it, when I was designing that talk around living a passionate life, I wasn't designing the talk for those people who are of their age. And if I were to talk to people of their age, I'd probably say, really make sure you spend some time trying to understand what your passions are as you make decisions moving forward. Because, and I'll give you an example of this, when I went to university, my first year, when I first did university, I did a year of law. And why did I do law? Because it seemed prestigious. And it seemed, you know, there's lots of money in law in my mind at that time. And, um, you know, you, you get respect. Did I care about law? Not at all. <laughs> you know, like, really? I, I did not. And, and luckily for me, my year of university of law, I spent my whole time doing fitness. Like I'd literally go to gym all day, go for runs all day, go cycling all day, and turn up at university and just do my lecture and that was about it. And luckily at the end of that year, I realized why I'm even thinking about law fitness is my passion and that's where I shifted my focus. And so for young people, I think the first thing is try to pick the pathway that's right for you when it comes to your passions. You know, and, and I could talk deeply about what to think about after that because I, I do have some thoughts on that. Um, but I'm not going to because it's not today's discussion and maybe I can do that in another podcast. But how to live a passionate life is a much, interesting, much more challenging discussion when we think about those people who already have a life. And what I mean by that is you're kind of already in a job. You, you know, you may have already bought your first home. Uh, or, or you may have already bought your first home years ago, you might be in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, or late 20s, you know, you, you've got this kind of routine of life that you're familiar with, that you know really well, that that might be good enough, or you might be really dissatisfied in, and how do you live a passionate life when you're that person is a much more challenging thing, and there's a lot of people who want to change their life, but it, you can't just kind of click your fingers and that change will happen. And I remember when I did that podcast on how to create a passionate life, I really talked about it's a transition. You know, like ultimately what you want to do is you want to, first of all, create some understanding around what your passion is. And then what you want to do is start to give yourself time to work on that passion area. And, and, and actually, I'm a, I'm a good example of this again, because one of my passions in life is music. And now I don't know if I ever want my full career to be music, but I definitely want to have an aspect of my life spending time playing music. And, you know, if there's some kind of financial or professional aspect of being a musician, that's definitely something that I would like. And so when I think about that, my, my musical career, well, it started out for me just learning an instrument as an adult. And then in the last two or three years, I've gotten a band, we've been recording an album, we're starting to play live, we're developing our ability to build an audience and all these kind of steps. And so for me to lead a passionate life around music has been this pathway I've been developing for myself and committing time and energy to, whereas in this moment I'm in right now, in the next year to 18 months, 
it might become something that's more of my life in a way that's me performing, me expressing, me writing and creating, which was the main purpose I started music, you know, five, ten years ago. And so when we think about that aspect, what I did is I was like, okay, well, I want to be passionate. I want to perform as a musician. I want to be creative as a musician. I need to build a life towards it. And that was what I was talking about in that last podcast is that what you ultimately need to do is if you are waking up in a place where you know you want to change and you know you'd like to live a more passionate life, the first thing you need to do is create the opportunity to spend the time developing that side of your life. And recently I've had a couple of clients who we've been working towards this. A couple of clients in particular who they come to me and these clients are really in a really good position in life. Like they've got great careers, they're actually doing stuff they like, they, they contribute in really powerful ways, they're very successful in the thing that they do. They just wanted to do maybe something that's a bit more impactful or a bit more purpose-driven or just that next level of their passion. And so the first thing we kind of, and it's very interesting because both of these clients have had a very similar pathway in this last moment of time. And so the first thing we did was we, we, we kind of did like a bit of a time audit. How are you spending your time? You know, like ultimately, uh, I think it's a really interesting tool to do as a time audit. I, I did it, my wife and I did it about a year ago. And we just we just sat down and we said, how are you spending your time? Like, like literally, we had to block it every 15 minutes a week. Not just work, just how you're spending your time. And, and with these two clients, we kind of did that. Where's your time going? And then we kind of realized, well, we kind of assessed, where can you offload? So what are you doing that maybe you don't need to be doing or you don't want to be doing? Because really what we're trying to do at this moment is we're trying to create an opportunity for them to have time to work on that more purpose-driven, more high-level passion, high passion projects in their life. So first of all, we kind of did like what we're spending your time. And then we did a little bit of a what do you need to offload and what don't you actually enjoy doing? And now these people were in a position where they were lucky enough to be able to do that. But then we had to do a, it was almost, we, we called it the transition period. We had to do almost like a triathlon transition. You go from the swim and a triathlon and you get on the bike. But there's this moment between where you've got to run from the swim, put your gear on, get all your bike gear ready, and get on the bike. And for these people, the whole, whole objective of this, oh, let's talk through stages. First stage was to assess. So what are you doing right now? The second stage was, to create an opportunity to have time and that's what the second period was and, and for both these people it took a bit of time like for one it took about four or five months and that was partly because they had a legacy of work behind them so they'd said yes to jobs in the past and those jobs were important jobs and they had to finish them but that meant that they couldn't necessarily just drop those jobs straight away so it took like four or five months for them to get to the position where they could start to have more time another one of the people had to kind of start to say no to jobs that they were currently doing start to prioritizing other things that weren't so important and put them out of their life and so stage two was this kind of idea of I'm trying to give myself time in my life and for the both of these people that did a great job and as I think about as I'm taking you through this podcast if you're listening to this and you know you are somebody who would love to be passionate in or, or living a more passion-filled life think about your stages so the first thing is where are you right now how are you spending your time and then how can you get more time in your life because if we go back to the podcast I did around passion I said one of the problems for a person who's trying to find a passionate life is let's say let's say you want to do painting let's say you'd love to be a painter 
and you you know you'd ultimately love to have a career in painting but at least have a, a hobby in painting where you could make some money now the problem for a lot of people is they they might get a little bit of time to do painting but it happens in the most fatigued moment in their life and what do i mean by that so if you've got a job that takes a lot of energy if you've got family that takes a lot of energy if you've got other things you need to do, like house and just the priorities, the responsibilities of life, that takes a lot of energy. So then if you want to paint, when does that come? It comes at the end of all of that. Your job, your family, your responsibilities, you know, your health work that you do on yourself, all that comes first. So then you sit down to do painting, it's nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, and you're so, so tired. And so it becomes that thing you know you should do, but you don't do because you're just so fatigued and unfortunately what you do is you often will beat yourself up for that you'll say oh, I'm just so slack I wish I had more willpower and I wish I was more motivated but I just can never get around to getting painting and so eventually what happens is you, you give up on your dream of being a painter now the problem with that is is ultimately it's not that you don't want to be a painter it's just that your strategy is really poor because you're trying to put the, the passion project in when you have the least amount of energy so you're mentally and physically fatigued so your chances of being successful is, is massively low then I think of my piano playing you know like with my piano playing I plan it for about three o'clock in the afternoon because I still know I've got a bit of energy in my day to put my time into my piano whereas if I were to play my piano at seven o'clock at night it just would never happen because I'm so tired by seven o'clock at night and so now admittedly I'm very lucky I have a life where I have autonomy and I can plan my piano playing in at that time but when I was working with my clients and this kind of stage two which is the transition stage when we're looking to create time where they'll have energy and good mental resource to actually do the passion work and that was a really important thing it wasn't say you know, just fit it in at the end of the day. Make sure you give yourself an hour each day. At the end of the day, do your passion work. Because the chances of them being successful and doing great work at that time is massively low. So stage one was the assessment. Stage two was to create the opportunity to have time. And what we're talking about is not just to have time, but to have time where you have great energy and great resource within your mental space to be able to do the kind of work that you want to do in that moment. So that's what we, we worked on for a period of time in that transition period for both of my clients. And they both did really well. Both of them got to the point where they basically had somewhere around, I, can't, I don't know the exact number, but it was kind of like 10 to 15 hours a week where they could work on a passion project. And a passion project in a really powerful way. You know, like one of the things I feel very lucky in my life in that is that I'm the guy who gets to write the book. I was speaking to one of the patrons of the show, actually, a lovely lady called Sarah Jane this morning. Sarah Jane is this, Sarah Jane is this beautiful woman. She's um, ambitious, uh, strong, a great female role model for many people in her world. Um, just got a really lovely soul. And we were just talking about life this morning. And she asked me, what have you been up to? And I was just telling about my book project. And I was just saying how my book project is... You know, I'm really passionate about this book that I'm creating right now, and I really believe in it. I believe the message is so important, and I believe that it can really have an impact on the world. And I was telling her it's a project that by the by the time it comes to the market, it would have been two years of work. And I've probably averaged out over two years probably around seven hours a week. So actually, I'm going to pull a calculator up right now. So if I go calculator, if I pull my calculator up, and I go seven times two times two I've probably spent over 700 hours on this book now I'm also going to spend because I want to self-publish it because I want to have control of my business model I did get offered 
deals from publishers, but I wanted to go self-publisher because I want to control the business model. Um, so the book's going to cost me around $30,000. So it's a lot of money. You know, $30,000 is a lot of money. So I've spent over 700 hours on it. I've spent over $30,000 on getting the book ready to the market. And I was saying to Sarah, it's really fascinating because, you know, this time next year it could go nowhere. Like it could be a project which was a total waste of my life. And was it a waste of my life? Well, who knows, but I want it to have impact. I, I want it to help people bring exercise into life and love exercise. And and that's the objective. So there's a, and, and let's be honest, but like the two projects in my life right now are definitely throw mud at the wall project. I've got an album for a band. Let's be honest, how many musicians have put music out that never goes anywhere? Now, I'm putting my hand up saying well, I'm going to try. And I've got a book. How many books get published every day that nobody ever hears about? Thousands and thousands. Both. So both of my big kind of passion projects are throw mud at the wall projects. And, and I'm going to give it my best. I really am. But there's a chance this time next year you'll be listening to this podcast and kind of didn't go anywhere. And... The thing I feel very fortunate about in my life is I'm lucky to be the person who does that. I'm lucky that I can spend 700 hours on this book project because I believe in it and it's a passion that I really believe in. And ultimately, that's what we want to think about with that time we give ourselves. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I do want to make money from the book. And the reason I want to make money from the book is, well, obviously there is a financial reward for me personally. But I'm a big believer if I can make money, I can buy a bigger audience. You know, I, there's, a, there's a clip that I have of the Crocodile Hunter. And it's amazing. It's a, such a beautiful clip. And he talks about how he wants to make as much money as possible. And he's like, in and, and, and a Crocodile Hunter kind of way, and he says, do I want to make money? Oh, I want to make so much money. I'll make money. I'll take money from you any way possible. And why? Because I'm going to buy wilderness land. And there's more money I can make, the more I'm going to have to look after animals. I'm going to have to land. I'm going to have to nature. And that's kind of me with, I want this book to make so much money. Don't get me wrong. I want to make so, so much money. Because if I can make more money, then I can help more people with exercise. And that's 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 my mission. That's my purpose. That's that's what drives me. And what am I what was the point of sharing all this with you? Well, I'm lucky that I'm the guy who gets to have this project. You know, that I, I've got this book project because I, I've given myself the time and resource of my life to be this guy. And I can devote 700 hours for this opportunity to create something I'm really passionate about. And that's what we were trying to do with both my clients. So as we got through stage one, which is assessment, we assessed what they need to let go of. Then we got through stage two, which was trying to find that time that they can have good energy and resource. Then we got to stage three, and, and quite fascinatingly for both of these clients, they both hit it kind of at the same moment. And stage three is, now you've got time, what are you going to do? And both of them came to me with projects that they wanted to do so both of them had a couple projects uh that were were definitely aligned to their passions definitely aligned to their philosophy you know both of them have that both of them work in industries which have big influence in the world and they want to show that both of their industries that things can be done differently and really powerful like if you listen to both these men they're, they're, they're both guys but if you listen to both of them they're just Oh, you know when you, you hear a passionate person? Well, both of these guys, A, A, are so passionate, and B, they're the right people to be telling that story. You know, they're, they're the, you know, I, I think of myself with my book. I'm the right guy to write this book. Why? Because I've trained thousands of beginners to, to win with exercise. You know, and so 
these 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 guys are those guys. So both of them came back to me with some projects they wanted to do. And it was really exciting. They now had time. They now knew the projects. They were aligned to their passions. I was, let's go. Let's go. I was, I was like so excited to think about what's going to be watching them over the next period of time. Well, kind of in the next couple of sessions, both of them were lost. Both of them a little bit lost. And it was fascinating thinking about how they were lost. It was reflected in a couple of ways, actually. So... It, 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 okay, I'm going to talk about how it's reflected. So, three things kind of shine through. First of all, there was a lot of time spent on trying to find the tools. A lot of time spent on trying to find the tools. So, this is—I'll give an example. This is a problem for a lot of people when they're trying to start something new. Is let's use a tri- triathlon analogy. You want to do a local triathlon. And you haven't really done any triathlon in the past. And so what you do is you spend six to six weeks to two months researching the right type of bike to get. In that time, you spend all your time trying to spend what kind of wetsuit should I get. Uh, you spend heaps of time trying to figure out the right running shoes. And then once you figure all that stuff, then you spend another two months trying to figure out the program you're going to get. And you know what you haven't done? You haven't ridden your bike, you haven't been for a run, and you haven't been for a swim. And this is a big problem for a lot of people when they're trying to start a new thing, is they spend all their time trying to figure out the tools. And while tools are an important part of a journey, I think often what happens is, well no, I'm going to go deeper into this in a second actually, often what that is a reflection of is that you're actually just a little bit lost on how to start. You're actually a little bit lost on how to start. And so because you don't know where to start, you put all your energy on the things that are solvable right now. So you're not quite really sure how to start your swim bike run, the actual training. So it seems like a really good thing to try to figure out how to get the bike. So it's worth spending two months trying to figure out how to get the bike. But that's actually not starting the thing. Like realistically, if you just want to do a local triathlon, the best thing you can do is borrow a mate's bike, you know, hire a wetsuit and, and go to the swimming pool, start swimming, bike and running, you know, at a at an entry level place. And then as you work down that pathway, you'll figure out the gear and you'll figure out the right level of gear and so on. But often trying to find the tool is a reflection that you're just lost on where to start. The second thing we I saw come through was looking for motivation. So one of the one of the people they were reading a lot of books from creative people, listening to podcasts from creative people, listening to uh, TED Talks from creative people. So what they were looking for in that moment was motivation on how to start. Now, I'm going to be fair to both of these people. These both are doing great. And it wasn't wasn't that there was no work done in in the projects, but a lot of the energy was going on to these types of problems. So problem one was trying to find the tools. Problem two was looking for motivation. So again, trying to find an inspirational, who's the best writer, I need to listen to their podcasts because they'll motivate me to start the thing that I need to do. It might have been, let's use that triathlon analogy again. I need to listen to talks from Jan Fredino, who's the world's greatest triathlete right now because he'll motivate me to get out the door and train. So you spend all your time trying to find the motivation. Again, what does this reflect? It probably reflects you're a little bit lost. That you don't know really where to start. You haven't got a plan. So what do you do? Try to find the motivation to get started. Now, an interesting thing, a concept I have in life is this kind of concept of going back to default. 
And so what with both of these people was they, they got a little bit lost and they weren't certain of the pathway that they should take moving forward. And sometimes what happens in this this place is because we're lost and we don't actually see progress in the area we're trying to work on, we kind of just go back to what we know. And this is a real typical thing in a change experience. That a lot of people when they're going through a change experience, it gets hard, so they just go back to what they know in the past. Even if what they know in the past they don't like. And one of the clients was it was actually really interesting because one of the clients, they had this task which was a really rewarding task as in for their business. So it was quite a good financial task. But it was also a very consuming task for them. And ultimately, while they enjoyed it, they wanted to do less of it. So let's say they did this task 10 times a quarter. They kind of wanted to do it two or three times a quarter. So they kind of, in that stage two transition period, they said no to a lot of people moving forward. And they had created a place where they didn't have to do so much of that as they were moving more into stage three, which was doing the project. But because they were a little bit lost, one of their meetings, they, they said, oh, I'm kind of going back to my database and just saying, you know, I'm available to do some of this other work again. Now, this is a really fascinating thing because what happened was, was because they were a little bit lost, they opened back up to their old things that they did, that they tried to move away from in their transition period. Like in their transition period, they were trying to move away from doing this kind of work. But when they got to stage three, which was doing the passion project, they were getting a bit lost. So suddenly going back to default, became appealing and we often see this a lot in times of change that when times of change happen times of change is hard and sometimes people are lost so what do they do they just go back to what they used to do and this is a problem that they face so these are some of the problems that I was seeing from both of these clients this kind of need to find the tool or spending your time trying to find the tool uh, looking for motivation uh, going back to default actually one of the other things is spending time a lot of time on solving a problem that actually isn't that important for the overall scheme of things so and that probably sits within the tools looking for tools but maybe even when you have the right tool spending way too much time you know let's say you get the bike but then you spend all your time learning how to do bike maintenance instead of riding the bike and this was one of the other problems that I saw. So these are some of the problems that we had. Now, why did we have these problems? Well, fundamentally, for both of these guys, we hadn't developed a very good project plan. We hadn't developed a very good project plan. And this is probably stage four. So what are my stages? Stage one is assessment. Stage two is getting time. Stage three is having time. Stage four is developing your project plan. And probably two things I want to say around this is giving yourself the right motivation around it, first of all. Uh, I think I talked recently about one of my clients who was trying to get time, similar to this actually, uh, trying to get time, and then he, he got the time and he was a little bit lost, and so we called it the meeting the Prime Minister time, that he wanted to do a project that was so good he'd meet the Prime Minister. I had another client recently who were trying to work on their budgeting skills, and you know, we, we tried for a couple of sessions. I was like, we need to get this budgeting habit in place, and it just wasn't happening. And then they told me they really would love to they want to get to a place where they're doing business in their life. And I said, oh, okay, well, let's not call it budget time, let's call it building your business time. And once we got that kind of perspective of building your business time, I got an email a few days later saying, I've done my first budget meeting. So finding the right framing around how you call that time is an important thing to do. So that's the first thing. Then you want to develop your project plan. Now, when it comes to developing your project plan, there's probably a few things that we need to acknowledge. 
you may not know exactly all the steps you need to take. So it might be worth investing in a mentor or someone who's gone through a similar project that you're looking to take right now and spend a bit of time with that person developing your project plan. Now what we don't want to do is use them like for motivation or use them to find the tools. We want them to use them to develop your project plan. So an understanding of what are the steps that I need to do to get me from where I am right now to the end point I'm hoping to achieve. And again, I'll use my example with my book. So when I sat down, you know, 18 months ago to go write my book, I, I had my project plan in place. I was like, okay, what are the steps that I need to create to write this book? Well, first of all, I've got to write a book. There's no point worrying about the cover of the book, the name of the book, how I'm going to get it published, how I'm going to market it if you haven't got a book. So the first step was give myself a year to write the book based on the time frame I had. So that was my first step. Now, that step finished kind of early this year. Then I had to figure out my business model and what kind of publishing model I want to go through. Did that. Then what I've done is now my books with my publisher. My next project is to, I'll do a course of the book. So currently I'm filming the videos for the project for the course of the book. Once I've done that, I've got to record the audiobook. So this is a real clear pathway of the actions I need to take to get the book to the place where I need it to be and the business model I need it to be by April next year because that's when the book will come out. So you want to develop a pathway and a project plan that creates really clear steps. And I think one thing that's really important here is that the steps are in a logical order based on the work you need to do. Because what a lot of people do when they, they develop a project is they get caught up in the wrong step at the wrong time. So, you know, I could have spent all my time trying to design the cover of my book for three months, got all the photos done, got all the name of the book done. Whereas, if you haven't got a product, who, who needs to worry about that? Actually, my band's a good example of that. You know, Dave and my band, he was about a, about a year ago, he's like, well, we need to really start pushing social media and really start, you know, getting an Instagram account going. And I was like, mate, we haven't got songs. What's the, what's the point in developing or you know, spending all this time on social media and stuff until we've got an album out there? We need a product first. And so, you know, he kind of got that. Like, if you look at our band's social media right now, it's it's pretty Mickey Mouse because we haven't spent much time on it. And why is that? Well, we need to spend all our time on recording songs and getting it ready. Now, we've finished our song recording now, so now we need to start going to stage two of our project plan. And that will be starting to get social media, starting to get database kind of collection mechanisms sorted, started your marketing plan and so on. So that's what the first thing is your project plan needs to think of the steps you need to take that will build you towards the end point you want to take. And it's a really important thing to think about because what you want to do is, let's say you've given yourself 10 hours a week to do your passion project. Well, ultimately what you want to understand is how am I going to spend that 10 hours this week? Now, once you've got your project plan in place and the steps in place, one important thing, and that's kind of what I'm touching on just before, is always understand I want to put all my energy into solving the problem I need to be solving right now. So for me with my book right now, the main thing I've needed to do in the last month is get my video course created. And I've had over 70 videos that I'm doing for this for the course that sits on top of my book. Now, in the last month, as of today's recording, I've got four videos to record. So in the last month, I've managed to record over 60, I think about 68 videos. Now, I've been focused like crazy, and I've done all that work in this last month. Now, if I was then focusing on getting the cover of the book sorted, making sure the name was right, starting to network for my marketing and so on, that wouldn't have happened. And I love this idea of what's the right problem I want to solve and how do I put most of my energy into that problem right now. Now sometimes you will have to put a little bit of energy forward into future steps, but the majority of your energy needs to go on that right problem right now. 
From there, what you do is, I love the idea of setting objectives. So each week, I look at my project. So my goal is to have a, so I'll talk you through this. My goal for my book is to have, let me, I'm just pulling my little, my little book here. Um, here we go. So my goal for my book is to create, let's see, I've got, I've got my little goals here I'm just pulling up. So let's have a look here. To have a book that can create a platform and a business that helps non-exercisers have a lifetime love of exercise. That's my goal. Okay, but then when I think of my project plan at the moment, my objective is to get the course video and website for the course and back end for the course finished. So when I look at my objectives for this week, I'm just pulling up my objectives for this week. This week, my objective for this week for the book was to have course production, have the course 90% finish and have the titles for each of the videos complete. So this week, I'm 90% finished, I've only got four more to do, and I've got 90%, I've got about 50% of the titles done. So when I sat down for this week, that's how I wanted to use that time. Now this week I probably had about, I gave myself a bit more time, probably about 15 hours for coursework. So as you can see, when I sat down for this week, there was a really clear pathway of how I was going to use that time for the step that I'm in for the overall project that I'm trying to achieve. Then what I do is each day when I sit down to, you know, like on Tuesday, I gave myself four hours work for video work. I had quite a bit of time to do video work. I sit down, I gave myself clear objectives of how I want to use that time. Now, as you can see, I've got a really productive approach to how I'm doing this. And this is really important because what's really rewarding about or really what really works about this strategy is each week at the end of the week, I see I'm moving closer and closer to the completion of the goal that I'm trying to achieve. Like, in April, my book is going to be ready for the market. And it's because in the last two years leading up to this book, I've understood my project, I've understood my goal, but I've created a really wise and well thought out project plan which sees all the steps I need to take and when I need to spend those steps and what I need to put in place to achieve those steps. Now, sometimes you don't even do all the steps. So like, for example, with my book, once I've written it, I, I, I didn't want to do... I didn't want to sort out the copy editor. I didn't want to sort out the, the proof. I didn't want to sort out all those steps. So I went to a company who looks after all that for me. So sometimes in a project, it's not always about you as well. So it's something to think about. What you want to be doing is you want to be seeing real progress on your work each week. And if you can give yourself time to do that, then what you will do is you'll, a couple of things will happen. A, you'll be moving towards completion. So me, I'm going to get the book out there. Me, the album's going to come out probably around the same time as the book. So there's, there's going to be a completion. But C, was it A or B? I can't even remember. B, I'm going to say B. Uh, <laughs> B, you'll see momentum. You'll see that you're actually doing the passion work. And to be honest, while the completion is really important, like while I want to get this book out there, I love that. I, I like, I, you know, going back to my conversation with Sarah Jane, how I'm very fortunate to be the guy who can actually just spend two years on a project that he believes in, where there's a risk that doesn't actually go anywhere. But at the same time, I, I really, really love the fact that I'm the guy who gets to spend, you know, a year thinking about the problem I want to solve. Or I can get to sit down, you know, on an afternoon and spend 90 minutes just writing and thinking about how do I make people passionate about fitness? And while the project's important and it's a sense of mission and, and purpose and I really hope it's going to help people, to me the greatest reward in life is spending your mind space in the thing you want to be doing.
And so when I think of the last two years of my life, a lot of my time, that 700 hours I've spent, it hasn't been a job. I don't, I don't think, oh my God, I've got to, got to get up and write the book today. I'm like, man, I get to spend more time thinking about the thing that I'm passionate about. And that's what we want to think about in that time. As much as you need a project plan, it is trying to get you to an end point, and you do need to set objectives and stepping stones that are wisely thought out. Ultimately, we just want you spending your time that you have in that time being passionate. Like for the two clients I have, they are very passionate people, and they are the right people to have a massive impact on, on their communities in really powerful ways. And all we're trying to get them to is that we're using that, you know, and they're both very intelligent people, to use that intelligence to spend their time actually just thinking about the thing they're passionate about and developing the workflow that, that sees progress forward, not the tools, not finding motivation, or, or not going back to work in the past that they know that they have. And to me, that's when you get to lead a passionate life. Now, sometimes passionate lives don't actually equal money. You know, I'll be honest, the music thing, I'd love for our band to be successful. And I'm, and again, I'm going to it with a strategy where we are going to try to do some marketing to make it work. But I'll be honest, come on, music's a pipe dream. So it, it might just be that thing in my life that's a total hobby and there'll never be any money in it. And let's be honest, a, a lot of passions are like that. And that's okay. You know, if you could spend 10 hours, like me spending 10 hours of my life a week in a, in a passion project like music where, you know, there probably isn't going to be any money in the long term, is that a waste of my life? No, I love playing music. I love being in my band. We, we've got one of our songs back from our, our editor or our engineer today. And I, was, I did weights and I listened to the song nonstop for an hour and a half today because I just thought, wow, we made this. And it was so rewarding. I, I'm so passionate with that time. And a passionate time is not always money. It's just your luxury of life to be able to spend your time in your resource doing the thing that you love doing. Now, for some people, there will be a career in it. There will be money in it. And that's not a bad thing either. Like, I would definitely work towards that if it's possible, if, if you want to do that. But as you can see, what we want to do is we want you to get to a place where you do actually learn how to do the work. And doing learning how to do the work, often it starts with a really practical approach. So let's take it back right to the start. Ultimately, what we want to say is if you are somebody who's sitting in a place where you know you're not passionate and you deep down want to be spending a passionate life, and, and you, you know yeah, you know what that passion is. And if you don't know what that passion is, spend some time trying some stuff. You know, just try some stuff. But if first of all, assess what you're doing with your time right now. Secondly, spend a period of time doing the transition where you offload things that aren't that important and you develop ways to buy or, or get time in your life. So it might be that you get five hours a week, 10 hours a week. And when we, we want to put that kind of context around that time. That time needs to be good energy time, not end of the day tired fatigue time. Good energy time where you you can really just nut into this problem. Then from there, and, and I'm going to say stage three is the project plan. Stage three is, is once you've got that time, the first period is figuring out the project plan. Now that's not to say you're not going to find some tools, but the main thing is, is what is that pathway that I need to develop that wisely sets me up and what are the projects I need to do and then how do I make sure they're in place so I can set clear objectives when I sit down to do that work each time. Then when you set those objectives, set up that structure around productivity, then when you sit down to do the work or the passion, you know exactly what you're going to do today. And then when you do it, and just love the fact that you're the person doing that thing. From there, you'll see momentum, you'll see yourself build these other things. And actually, here's a really good example. I, I love rugby. 
And there's a guy on YouTube called Squidge Rugby, and he does the best rugby analysis I've ever seen. Like, I've been a really big rugby fan my whole life, and if you ask me the, the depth of rugby, I'd be able to, you know, for a non-rugby fan, I could tell you the basics of rugby. But this guy, he is he. What he does is he'll go over a game. He'll spend twenty minutes, and he'll show you high-level tactics. You know, like you think of a high-level coach, how they think about winning a game of rugby, and. Watching his videos, I'm learning stuff I've never, ever, ever learned about rugby in the past. Now, this guy started off as a pageant project. He started off just doing some YouTube clips. Now, he's so good at what he's doing. He's got he's got a patron audience. He's got sponsors. It's now as he quit his job and it's full-time job. But also what's happening to him is now all the big TV networks are going to him and saying, can you be one of the guests on our shows? Because he's so good at what he's done, he's getting opportunity. And that's the thing about being the passionate person, is when you become the passionate person, you get to do the thing you love, but you also get next level opportunities. And if you can create that time in your life, and you can give yourself the energy, but also create a plan around how to use that energy, you'll start to build things that will give you opportunity to actually be more in the passion in your life. At the beginning of the show, I said about how I'm lucky because I'm the guy who gets to be the fitness guys in other people's world. Well, it's because I, I spend my life thinking about fitness and putting stuff out there like this podcast. People think, oh, we should get Bevan on this when it comes to fitness. And that's because I've built this legacy of work. And if you build a body of work around your passion, you will get more opportunity to do more of your passion at work. And that's what this is all about. So if you've listened to today's podcast and you are that person who's sitting there going, I would, I'd love to spend more time doing my passionate thing, don't just listen to this. Spend some time thinking and doing some work around it. Think of where you are in those stages that I introduced. Again, assess, create a transition, create a project plan, do the work based on the objectives, build momentum, live your passion. Through this, who knows what your future will present. Maybe you'll be like Squidge Rugby and you'll be the guy or the girl who people call up in the future and say, we need you because you're so great at this passionate thing. To me, if you're doing that, you're definitely living your life to the greatest level. Right, team, hopefully you enjoyed that little talk about passion. Uh, I do think, I do think, you know, like when I was younger, I always talked about well, freedom's always been the thing I've chased. And freedom, when I was younger, was very much about finding money. You know, it was very much about not nobody owning me. But as I've gotten older, it's the freedom to, to spend your time doing what you love, but thinking about what you want to think about. You know, to me, that's the ultimate freedom, isn't it? You know, um, as I said when I talk about writing my book, um, I love the fact I'm the guy who got to spend a year thinking about how do I solve the problem of getting someone to love exercise? You know, and, and, you know, those creative moments where you have to creatively think through how do I solve that problem and then how do I express it. You have that moment of reward of creatively working through that problem and, and cracking it. Um, it's pretty cool, isn't it? And if, if you live your life in the area that you're most passionate about, thinking about that passion and, and growing with that passion and evolving with that passion, it's a pretty rich life, isn't it? So hopefully today touched on some notes that can help you, if you are in that place, think about that stuff. Uh, okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, actually one thing, if you want to run 5Ks, 
uh, and you'd like me to guide you through the journey, I have a product called My 5K Dream. It's an online version of how to get you to run 5Ks, but it's not just like a program. It's a program. I have videos for strength. I have videos for flexibility. I have videos for yoga. I have technique videos. I have... Uh, woman's needs videos, I have what you need videos, I have explainer videos, but also what I have is weekly mentoring sessions. So basically it's me taking you through mentoring each week in your journey to guarantee you'll be successful along the way. It's a great product. Uh, if you want to run 5Ks and you're not exercising, go to my5kdream.com, sign up there. It's, there is a price, but it's, it's, I'm really proud of the product. And people who get signed up have been giving really great feedback on it. So if you would love to run 5Ks, go to my5kdream. Also, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to Bevan James Isles, go through the patron process, and you support me in what I do. And for those who are patrons, thank you very much. Lastly, if you also want to support the show, go to your podcatcher and just do some feedback on the latest or, or just on the podcast in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'll be an interview show. I'll get some great interview for you. So see you in a couple of weeks. As I always finish at the end of the show, keep being you.